This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, Elon here with a special off-schedule episode of Keeping Carlson. We've decided to once again bypass our two-week break between episodes during the summer because I did a great interview with Pete Jensen, the senior fantasy editor over at NHL.com. We discussed his top 250 fantasy rankings, dug into a lot of players. It was a really good interview. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, though, let me take a second to remind you that we are less than two weeks away from the deadline of the Kickstarter that Brian and I launched around a month ago. We've mentioned on a couple shows recently, we We are planning to create the world's first ever audio fantasy guide, and we want you to help us make it. If we could get our project funded, then we are going to take the last week off in August from our jobs, and we're going to hunker down and create 31 chapters of Fantasy Hockey Podcast Gold, one chapter dedicated to analyzing and projecting the fantasy-relevant players and storylines on each team in the NHL. The final product is likely to add up to more than 20 hours of primo content for you, so you'll be able to listen all throughout September to our thoughts on every fantasy-relevant player in the entire NHL. So if this is something that you think you might be interested in, check out our Kickstarter page at keepingcarlson.com slash guide. We have a video there explaining more. You can see all of the things that we're offering. We're going to come up with a projection for each player, share a spreadsheet of that as well. So you should definitely check it out if you're interested. The way Kickstarter works is that if you put down a pledge of $15 to support our project and then we don't get funded, you don't get charged, nothing happens. We all go on with our lives. But if we do reach our goal, then we are going to take the time and make this ultimate guide. So I'll stop blabbering because we've got this great interview with Pete Jensen. So you'll enjoy that. And then maybe I'll come back and talk to you at the end of the show. Bye. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson. Killar jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. Brian Com is out of town right now, but I've got a special guest for you. I'm Elon Dubrovsky, and with me is the senior fantasy editor at NHL.com, the exposure evangelist himself, Pete Jensen. Thanks so much for joining us on the show, Pete. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is my second time. I see you guys have, you're closing in on 200 episodes, it looks like. So you guys have really brought it over the past couple of years. It's always a pleasure to join you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, you were a big hit the first time you came on. We've been excited to have you on ever since. And now's a perfect time because you've just came out with a top 250 ranking on NHL.com. Well, not just came out, a couple of weeks ago. You do it actually every month. But it's very interesting because this one came out after all of the big news from Free Agent Day. Like you got Tavares on the lease and he's bumped way up. And I want to ask you all about your different rankings. I actually posted on our patron-only Facebook group for some questions. I said, we've got Pete Jensen coming. What do you want to ask him? I got flooded. <laughs> so we've got nice, a lot. Nice. 
<laughs> yeah, we've got a lot we want to run by you. But first, maybe before we get into the specific question, I'd love to ask you about these fantasy rankings. It's July right now. How do you go about making a ranking of 250 players for fantasy purposes? Is there just like a huge whiteboard somewhere where you have everyone's faces and every day you're going in and shuffling people around? No, there's no whiteboard. There's a big Google Doc and there's a lot of stats in between and there's a lot of asterisks and uh, notations that we have for potential UFAs, RFAs next year. Pretty much anything uh, in the realm of possibility is taken into account. Team strengths, team concerns, um, the quality of an individual player, which even on a bad team uh, might give him an edge. Uh, based on standard category performance. Uh, this is all based on, I should note, you know, the standard categories, goals, assists, plus, minus, PIMS, power play points, shots for skaters, wins, GAA, save percentage and shutouts for goalies. You know, there's still a lot, there are a lot of things that are going to change from this point on. There are going to be some guys who are going to go abnormally high or higher than I thought. Uh, by the time we get to draft season and in that my opinion could change on them at that point in time but right now based on what we know based on off-season moves lineup changes uh, potential line combinations power play outlook I mean everything from injury history to uh, any of those categories you know where we talk about bounce backs sleepers uh, regression everything's taken into account and I take it into account at different times. So it makes for a very interesting movement anytime something happens. Yeah, it's really cool and so valuable, right? Like people are going to be able to just take your list into their drafts and they've got a well thought out ranking, of course, assuming that their categories in their league matches the categories that you're ranking. Like I had a question on the Facebook group that a bunch of people got behind, like, why is Eric Carlson so low all the way down to 34th? But I guess now that you said that plus minus is counted, I guess that kind of explains it, though. I'm curious to know, like, how do you consider guys like Carlson where we don't even know where they'll end up that next year or maybe they'll he'll start with the Sens and then get traded partway through? Did you have that as something that affects him negatively and that's why he's so far down the list yeah i mean he remember he because of that plus minus he was really uh down in the dumps last season in terms of his yahoo rank uh outside the top 100 obviously i bumped him back into the top 50 and even higher just because of the quality of the individual player and i have jack eichel right next to him i mean eichel's another one high-end player as talented as any young center in the game has some question marks, though, with the team. I think Buffalo has that slight edge over Ottawa. That's why I have him, because of their offseason improvements. Yeah, the team is the concern with Eric Carlson. If Eric Carlson was on the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Vegas Golden Knights, he would certainly be in the top 15 overall. He would be ahead of Victor Hedman, uh, if he's, even if he's on his team, uh, just because of his point-per-game potential over 82 games, which he showcased a couple of seasons ago. And still, even last year, his points-per-game average was outstanding within the scope of his position. So, again, Eric Carlson, defenseman, like say you need, uh, you were looking for a splash and you can get Eric Carlson in the second or third round, I recommend it. I just do so knowing that until he actually gets traded, there are some major concerns with Ottawa with all those expiring contracts, Duchesne also a 2019 UFA. There's just so much uh, negativity surrounding that team right now. That And Carlson, of course, in his contract year. So that's the biggest reason why he could be on the trade block. 
Right, yeah, very interesting. And for sure, yeah, he has to have someone to pass to who's going to score goals. Duchesne is there. Mark Stone is there. After that, it's a little bit shallow over on the Sens. Though still, if Eric Carlson were to fall to me in the second round of my draft, I'd have to take him. Even if plus minus was counted, (laughs) I would just punt the category just to get EK65 on my team. I don't blame you. Though, okay, so you brought up something interesting. Another sort of general question about how you make these rankings. Like Jack Eichel, you have a 33, Eric Carlson at 34, and then Frederick Anderson at 35. How do you go about ranking these people at completely different positions? Like, how do you decide if Frederick Anderson is more valuable than, like, Jack Eichel in fantasy? You know what? That, I sweat a lot of things in these rankings. I don't sweat the uh, position, com- the other position comparisons too much. Uh, usually I'll, if it's a matter of three players where, uh, you, I think I trust the caliber of the individual player. I mean, Frederick Anderson is an above average goalie on a potential great team, won 38 games last year, certainly has 40 plus win potential. I moved him into my top five goalie rankings after they got Tavares because of just the loaded offense he's going to have in front of him. Uh, that said, I do think that Eichel and Carlson within the scope of their, positions are much better um, relatively speaking to Anderson so that's my reasoning there and you know there are different circumstances for any like if you compared any three players from different positions within these rankings there might be something that I like about a certain player some aspect of his game some bounce back appeal some low five on five shooting percentage whatever the factor is some potential new line mate he could have there's so many things that I take into account with this and I'm also kind of taking into account uh, where a guy might be going based on uh, the perception of him and you know if I think somebody like Rasmus Dahlin is uh, coming in with so much hype would I reach for him in the top 50 no way would I reach for him in the top 75 I would certainly think about it and with that range for Dahlin just as an example uh, you can look at uh, the fact that I think you're not going to get past that range where he'll be available afterwards. So if you want to take a chance on him, I'm giving you that opportunity to if you use these rankings. Right. So you're saying that if there's a lot of hype around a player, you're going to necess- you're going to maybe bump him down the rankings a bit. Like I see you have Dalene over at 71, but you're saying some people might have him in the top 50. Obviously, it also depends if it's a keeper league or not. Like I'd be curious even to know how many points would you expect from Rasmus Dalene as great as he is in his rookie season on Buffalo. Yeah, it's, it really varies. I mean, Pecorine is another one. I mean, Pecorine and Yahoo finished number one last year, won the Vezina. I mean, outstanding season. Uh, he's had some playoff concerns, though. He's getting old. He's in his contract year. He has UC Saros just re-signed uh, behind him. So there are some concerns. So, like, Rene, a couple updates ago, I had him in the top 50, but then it was kind of just – other teams around the league were improving. I figure that Pecorine will go inside the top 50 and maybe even higher in some leagues, like 40 or above. And that's not a range where I'm comfortable taking him because of some of those concerns that I talked about. So, yeah, with Darlene, it's kind of, you know, I think he'll probably go somewhere in that range where he, and you have concerns with him with the plus minus with, uh, is he going to see first power play usage? I think he is. I think he's going to score 35, 40 points, even if he has a bad plus minus. And, um, yeah, I just think that the exposure to Eichel bounce back appeal of Sam Reinhardt, uh, they could bring up some of their younger players, Middlestad. Now that they traded Ryan O'Reilly, Tage Thompson, these are guys that have, 
I think, sneaky upside. So Buffalo has that risk-reward factor where I would take a chance on Darlene, even though we've now, I don't think we've ever seen a rookie defenseman, at least since I've been covering fantasy since 2011, I've never seen a rookie defenseman drafted or even considered this high in a fantasy draft. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I'd still be wondering, for a one-year league, I'm talking about if I... I don't know who I'd want more between someone like Rasmus Ristolainen or Rasmus Dahlin. Like, first of all, like you said, like it might be Rasmus Ristolainen who ends up on the top power play. Plus, he's pretty great for those blocks and hits. So, yeah, yeah. Like, who, who would you take between the two in, in your standard? Like, I guess your rankings tell the, tell the answer because you have Ristolainen over at 120. Yeah, Ristolainen, a lot of people are low on him. I think I would still love to get him in that range. Uh, I'm curious to see where his ADP is going to be. I don't think many people realize just how good he's been on the power play over the past three seasons. He's still very, very young, too. So he's been in the league, what, five seasons now. So he's had 20-plus power play points each of the past three years. So Ristolainen in in a hits league uh, bumps up closer to maybe even a little ahead of uh, Darlene in a one-year league. But Darlene has the edge in keeper leagues and he's just and even in a standard league I would give him the edge I think that even comparing uh, Darlene to guys like Tory Krug Shane Gostaspare guys who have strong young I think elite young defensemen in the next couple of years and Charlie McAvoy Ivan Provorov guys that could eventually steal the first power play usage and how much would that change everything for that player's fantasy value uh, negatively speaking, for Krug and Gostaspare, kind of like what we saw last year from uh, how Wierenski uh, was bumped down and then used in different ways after being on the first power play unit. Seth Jones just w- was so good and jumped ahead and stole some of those big minutes from him. So, uh, yeah, I think those are factors to consider as well. I mean, a guy who could potentially regress versus the upside of Darlene, why not take the chance? on Darlene for one of the most improved teams in the league. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, just to make sure I, I fully understand, this ranking list, is this your opinion of how these players' value should be, or is it more like your guess at what the ADP will be for next year? Uh, it's, it's, it's what their value should be for the vast majority of it. There are certain players that maybe I anticipate will should go in a certain range, will go in a certain range, and if I don't like that player... I'll have that player ranked a little bit behind where I think they're going to go. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's who would I take if it was in front of me right now. And I do I do that because we just we did a mock draft in early July. This is the first time we've ever done a mock draft this early. Um, I did it with Rob Reese and David Satriano, two of our uh, main fantasy writers, and we each took control of four teams. Yeah, four teams each. And we, you know, assembled those teams based on the quality of players, what we needed at the time. We've assembled each of those 12 teams combined uh, to try to make it the best that they could that it could be and which players we would take at that point in time. And then after we did that, I made some adjustments to these rankings because you got a better sense before the ADP came out uh, where these guys might be going. I mean, there were some guys that I really liked that went much higher than I might have thought they did. I mean, certain cases. So you can read up on that story. It's easy to find the mock draft 1.0 NHL.com. See where guys went. See where I have them ranked afterwards. And then you can 
kind of differentiate with how much I like a, per- a certain player. Okay, wow, that's really cool. Like, you really put a lot of work into this. You did a mock draft, and I've never done that before, taking different teams, like, owning multiple teams in a draft. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's like these, like, chess players who are playing, like, multiple games at once. Yeah, it was cool. It was, like, simulating a league where um, each owner is very well-informed, knows the lineups, knows the injury trends, knows the transaction trends, and uh, builds a team strategically. So... Yeah, it was the first time I ever did that, too, and it was pretty fun. We had a big Google Doc, and we didn't use Yahoo or any other platform because, you know, the mock drafts are usually not open by this time of year just yet. But, yeah, it was a fun exercise, and we'll have a lot more mock drafts coming up. We'll have a Hits League mock draft, probably a Keeper League mock draft. And you could read about all of these over on NHL.com, I assume, in the fantasy section? Yeah, and actually we have a nice new fantasy landing page just came out last week so check it out it's kind of more along the lines of the nhl.com website but it's all fantasy content so i mean right now we probably have like 15 20 or more stories that are fully up to date so if you've been at the beach and you're trying to uh, get caught up there's a like a one-stop shop for you right now and much improved compared to last year in my opinion cool and i guess also people could follow you at nhl jensen to get links to all the newest stuff coming out but okay i wanted to get back to defensemen actually so we talked about eric carlson being a bit low it was patron teddy actually it was specifically <laughs> like, you have to ask why is carlson so low he also noticed that guys like Krug and Latang were below Dougie Hamilton. And Teddy asked Pete, as Dougie Hamilton is the 12th overall D-man, so I take it Pete is 100% sure that Hamilton will be designated top power play quarterback? He said he agrees, but he's just curious. So what's your take? Of course, there is still Justin Falk over on Carolina, but if you have Dougie Hamilton so high, it must mean that you're pretty high on him yourself and you think he's going to get that great exposure, as you would say, to Ajo and all the other good forwards on Carolina on the power play. Yeah, Hamilton, I think, over the past three seasons was either 7th or 8th in even strength points among defensemen. I think that Carolina, with the changing coach, with some nice off-season additions, they got DeHaan, they got Mrazek, they got Dougie Hamilton, which I thought they won the trade in a big way with Calgary. Uh, Yeah, Dougie Hamilton, I think, dispels either the end of Justin Falk's tenure with the Hurricanes or uh, changing of the guard. Either one, whichever ends up happening, I think this is Hamilton's opportunity to take on the top power play role. If he plays on the unit with Ajo, Teravainen, either Svechnikov or Zikov or any of these uh, nice young forwards they have, he has outstanding potential i think to have his best season yet and hamilton like letang uh but letang's trending down kind of after last year even for a strong team i just um i wasn't crazy about what i saw from him uh in the regular season or the playoffs frankly but yeah hamilton has great category coverage uh covers them all really past couple of years even when his point total has dipped he has strong coverage across the board so yeah dougie hamilton I wanted to get him into the top 10, but there's just too many safer options. So, But I like the breakout potential of Carolina, and I think some tweaks could get that team in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think Dougie Hamilton should be in everyone's top 15 fantasy defenseman rankings uh, just based on his safety net uh, across the board in terms of categories. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I really like how Carolina's looking for next year. Of course, the big question mark is in Nets. I, like, if they had a goalie that I could rely on, I'd expect right. them to be a really good team in terms of chances to make the playoffs. But like, what do you think is going to happen there? They have Darling. They signed Morozik. Do you think it's just going to be a timeshare and they'll just hope that someone can keep the puck out of the net for a little while? Yeah, I think it's going to start as a timeshare and we'll see who emerges. I mean, Peter Morozik had some nice flashes this past year, a couple of years ago. He had almost 30 wins with great peripheral production. Um, yeah, Scott Darling, I don't think he's as bad as he was this past year. He also might not be nearly as good as he appeared to be with the Blackhawks. So uh, it seems like he's in better, he'll be in better shape this time for training camp, and uh, we'll see what happens. I, don't, I wouldn't write him off yet, just yet. I think that you know there were some games last year where he just had some gaffes and you didn't really understand why he was making these glaring mistakes i think he's going to go back to the drawing board and come back with a new level of motivation this year so you would you take darling first in a draft or morazic if you wanted a carolina goalie i would take morazic for sure i don't have darl i don't have darling in my top uh 250 he's strictly a waiver wire uh streaming option uh, to start the season So still on defense, so Chris then asked to hear your thoughts on the wild power play, and specifically, you know, Matt Dumba just signed a contract, and he had such a great year last year, he had uh, 50 points, I think, or 51 points, and Spurgeon was injured at the end of the year, and Spurgeon was the one who was actually on the top power play, I'm talking about Jared Spurgeon here, who also had a pretty good year, like, people didn't notice because he got injured at the end, but Spurgeon put up 37 points in 61 games, so also a 50-point pace, he put up the same pace as Matt Dumba, Dumba just signed a big new contract, who do you think is going to be getting that top power play spot next year? on Minnesota if Ryan Suter is healthy which I think I read the indications are he's going to be ready to start the season Minnesota is one of those few teams that goes two defensemen on the top power play and whoever is there with Ryan Suter tends to do really well so who do you think it's going to be I think it's going to be Dumba I think at 24 years old soon to be five um, actually tomorrow he's going to be 25 so happy birthday to him in advance but yeah Dumba I think after this contract he got paid like uh, his production, you know, deserves. And I think that the fact that he hit 50 points and only had 12 on the power play just leaves that extra room for improvement. This is a guy that has scored 10 plus goals each of the past three seasons. So he really has uh, that opportunity for the next level production. I have him on my breakout list. There are very few cases where you could say a guy who had 50 points as a defenseman would still have further room for improvement. But I've seen that from Dumba. So I think that uh, the value of Spurgeon and Dumba would increase if uh, Suter would, you know, if Suter's not fully healthy or not ready for the start of the season. Right. But yeah, I, I would be, I would have fairly high confidence that it's going to be Dumba to start the year. And I, it is Spurgeon with Suter normally at even strength. So yeah, Dumba might get those opportunities this year. I think he deserves them. Yeah, that's really cool. And Dumba, could, like you said, he got 50 points last year, but I feel like he could still be a really good sleeper going to next year. Like, I don't know if I'm with you that he's going to like eclipse even 50 points. That'd be pretty amazing. But even if he could just stay at 50, I think that would make him exceed a lot of people's expectations. Because I know Brian has mentioned to me that he thinks Dumba, like one of the main reasons, and it's a fair argument, one of the main reasons he got to 50 points is because Spurgeon got injured and Dumba got all those power play opportunities at the end of the year. Spurgeon will be healthy right. next year. But it sounds like you're saying Dumba's going to earn it next year for good, which means maybe he could do even better yeah Dumba Dumba was one of the best even strength defensemen in the NHL this past year scoring wise 
And yeah, I think that Dumba has uh, that. I think he has an opportunity to take a further step forward. He's um, he's very young. It's there are not many goal scoring defensemen like him. And Minnesota is a very. I mean, they keep losing in the first round. Three straight years eliminated in the first round. But this is a very strong regular season team that does not have many holes. I know they play in a tough division, but. I have a lot. I have some confidence in in Minnesota right now. Um, you know, with some of the the organizational changes they made at the top with their new GM, I think that they have a chance to remind people how good they could be fantasy wise. And Dumba is one of those examples. Didn't finish in the top 100 in Yahoo last season, so his value and the perception of Matt Dumba. I mean, he's not a guy you would reach for inside the top 100, or most people wouldn't. But he could certainly end up there when it's all said and done. Right, yeah. It's just kind of like on Minnesota, Eric Stahl last year had 76 points. He had like an amazing all-star caliber season, 42 goals. 40 and I'll bet something you, goals, yeah. And I'll bet you he's not going to be ranking in the top 100 for most people's drafts also. So there is potentially a lot of value to be mined. I guess just people aren't too high on Minnesota people. I'll bet you Mikhail Granlund uh, is going to fall in people's drafts just because, I don't know, because Minnesota, for some reason, people aren't too into them. But yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> fantasy value there. Yeah, definitely. And their top six is intact. Another guy that we have to mention if we're talking about sneaky talent on Minnesota is Niederreiter because he could play, usually plays with Stahl when healthy. Could be a Niederreiter, Stahl, Zucker, Niederreiter, Stahl, Granlund. A line like that would have huge fantasy value. That would be a top 10 or 15 line in the NHL, I think, if those guys stay healthy. So Niederreiter might be available even later in drafts a couple of years ago he was a top 50 overall player I think he was a top 10 left wing two seasons ago so he has that capability in fantasy and he's also a uh, great in hits leagues so if you play in hits leagues uh reach for him a little higher maybe even shortly outside the top 100 uh, for Niederreiter. Wow, yeah, bold uh, projection there, prediction. Yeah, like, I mean, Niederreiter, you're right. It's like, how quickly we forget. Two seasons ago, 57 points, a really strong year. Last year, huge step back, 32 points in 63 games, so barely, you know, fantasy relevant, at least points-wise. But it's true, it's a good point. When you're looking in your drafts and you want to find some value, look at someone who was really good just a couple years ago, and Niederreiter, if he could be in the top six and get good line mates, I definitely see it being possible. And so now that we've uh, kind of switched over from defensemen to forwards, I want to go to the guy, you mentioned him earlier, as someone who changed teams and caused your rankings to put him way up high. John Tavares, you've got him slotted in at 8th overall now that he's with the Leafs. Do you think he has the potential to be even better on the Leafs than he was on the Islanders? He had a point-per-game pace last year with the Islanders, and I didn't see him ranked 8th in any rankings until now he's moved to the Leafs. So it must mean you are really (laughs) high on him as a Leaf. Yeah, I'm high on his potential. I think if he could hit... 80 points, whatever it was, three times in his Islanders career um, with line mates like Matt Molson, P.A. Parento, uh, Brad Boys, some of these no-name guys that haven't done much uh, after they left his wing. I mean, he had Kyle Ocpozo. He also regressed since he left the Islanders. There's obviously Anders Lee, Josh Bailey. The verdict's still out on them, whether they're they can maintain fantasy relevance without their center but yeah Tavares I think has 90 point potential with the Maple Leafs anybody who says there's too much scoring to go around his points are going to go down just look at Crosby and Malkin what they do in a full season I mean Austin Matthews 
has a chance, I think, uh, if he stays healthy, to take a step forward to the 100-point realm. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility wow. for Matthews, and I think that Tavares could be right there with him. So, yeah, Tavares has never hit 90. Uh, he's had some crazy years where he's had 30-plus power play points and covered shots really well and dished out a ton of assists. But playing with Mitchell Marner, he's never played at the NHL level with a wing of his caliber. I know some people knock Marner, but uh, he came on strong second half and in the playoffs last year. I think he could be a guy in the third or fourth round that could return big value with the uh, you know association to Tavares. Right now, after the signing, I thought that was so cool. Mike Babcock said right off the bat, he's like, Hyman, Tavares, Marner. So all the fantasy owners can go crazy with all their projections. So I thought that was cool. Nice. Yeah, and it's kind of surprising, right? Because Marner actually was really clicking with Nazem Kadri last year. I'm sure things will shift around as the year goes. But clearly you're high on both Matthews and Tavares. You have them at 7th and 8th in your rankings. And you're not from Toronto. Like, I'm used to seeing this <laughs> from my fellow uh, journalists. I don't, know. I'm not, I don't know why I just called myself a journalist. But people I see in Toronto. But you're in New York. Yeah, I am. It's funny. I get those comments all the time. They say... Toronto bias. I'm like I've never been to Toronto, so I'd love to go there one day. But yeah, certainly, um, yeah, to, they have as good of a one-two punch at center as any team in the league, even right up there with Pittsburgh. Yeah, and sure. that's why I have them ranked so high. So Pittsburgh's guys are still, I think, a little bit higher caliber, more proven to be elite year after year. But those guys are not far behind in Toronto. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, if you ever come to Toronto, let us know in advance. We can get a little uh, patron meetup and we can meet, have some beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. That would be fun. All right, so Corey asked about Tavares, just asking about what you thought his point potential is. It sounds like you're saying around 90 points, which would be amazing. Also, what do you think about his arrival and departure affecting his old and new teammates on the Islanders and the Leafs? I imagine you just said Mitch Marner definitely benefits if he's going to play with Tavares. Brian and I have been trying to figure out what to do with guys like Anders Lee and Josh Bailey and maybe Jordan Eberle. Like, you know, because on the Islanders, it's so interesting because they've got Matt Barzell, who had such an amazing year last year. Now he'll become the number one center. And we have to try to figure out who he's going to play with and what's the value value of anyone not playing with Matt Barzell like so what's your take on how the Tavares departure is going to affect his uh, former teammates on the island yeah whoever is not on that first line is in danger of big regression I mean Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle are in contract years a lot of people forget that Beauvillier was on the top line or second line left wing last year had great chemistry uh, really return value as a waiver wire pickup in fantasy. And, um, yeah, he was playing most frequently, not Anders Lee. Lee was with Tavares. So, yeah, I think this is a big spill for Josh Bailey, especially. Anders Lee still has been very good on the power play. At the very least, he's going to be in the, that net front role uh, with some strong power play producers, whether it's Pulak, Barzell, Eberly. So Lee's power play production shouldn't suffer so much, but he scored 40 goals last year. I'd be very surprised if he scored 35-plus. I think he's going down at least to the low 30s, maybe even lower. Um, his rookie year, he had a great season with Tavares. Then the next season, he didn't play as much with him, and he dipped in goals. So, I mean, it would be tough to see Lee, uh, who's been a great you know, soldier for the Islanders uh, regress in his contract year, but it just might happen uh, if he if he doesn't take that spot from Beauvillier. 
I mean, for the rest of the Islanders, it's yeah, Barzell especially. I think he has he was like a fringe top fifty guy when Tavares was there. I still think that I would take him around that range, but I might be more inclined to wait another round for him. I wouldn't reach for Barzell right now just because of the concerns of playing against the opponent's top competition every shift. He's still so great at entering the zone and he's gonna explode into the zone and you know score a ton of points he's going to be one of those guys that has the potential to score four or five points once again against some inferior teams but against the tough teams night in and night out I think he might dip down to maybe you know 60 70 65 70 points or something like that Uh, from his 85 last year he actually outscored Tavares which did not happen very often with the island during his nine seasons with the Islanders. But yeah. And then on the Toronto side, I just think it boosts pretty much everybody. I told you, uh, Frederick Anderson gets the bump into the top five goalies. In my opinion, I moved, uh, Riley and Gardner Gardner's in a contract year. So maybe there'll be that extra motivation and the power play units for Toronto. They were already number two, in the league with two strong power play units. Austin Matthews didn't produce as well as we had expected, given his even strength production in the first two years of his career. Uh, But I think he's probably going to be playing on a power play unit with uh, maybe with Tavares, maybe with Kadri, maybe with, uh, you know, they can really mix things up nicely and find the right spots. And I think Tavares can really just put them through the roof on the power play. So I, I really bump all those guys up. I bump Hyman up because now Hyman has played great at even strength in his first two seasons on Matthew's wing. And now he's slated by Babcock to play with Tavares. Even if that doesn't work out, he's probably going to play with Matthews. So as long as those guys stay healthy, Zach Hyman uh, should return value as a sleeper. Yeah, Hyman's the kind of guy you could probably draft in your last round or maybe even pick up as a waiver wire option. So yeah, don't reach for him. But yeah, I like the idea of just grabbing if he's going to have exposure to Matthews or Tavares. I love how you're saying like Matthews is like the backup plan if it doesn't work out with Tavares. You can't get much (laughs) better than that for a backup plan. And like Brian and I discussed maybe one person being hurt is Nazem Kadri since he might be falling down to the third line center. But you made a good point. Like on the power play, he might still be playing with some great players. We could get a lot of points there. I see you have him at 122, which I think is a fair ranking for Nazem Kadri. I don't know if I might have him a little lower. One of my favorite sleepers for next year is a little bit lower than him. I see you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins over at 132. <laughs> I really like the potential of him playing all year with McDavid on both the top line and the top power play. We saw it at the end of last year and they made magic together. I have a feeling that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to go a lot lower than he should this year in drafts. Yeah, I actually moved him up this past uh, edition. Uh, not so much because of any moves that the Oilers made, just uh, reassessing the landscape, reassessing his, if you want to call it sleeper or breakout appeal. I mean, he's a guy that's been in the fifties before in points. We all know if he produces like he did down the stretch last year, he's getting 65, 70, if not more. And the Oilers, you know, just looking at it, uh, from afar, I mean, they were so bad on the power play. There's just so much room for improvement for Nugent Hopkins. For Mc, I mean, McDavid had almost 110 points and only had 20 on the power play. Nobody on that team produced on the power play outside of McDavid. Uh, Nugent Hopkins could easily his double his power play point total of nine. A bunch of those defensemen were not even involved. Darnell Nurse had no power play points on the season. Clefbaum was playing with an injury. Uh, he underachieved when he was healthy. 
even before the injury. So I think that that team has a little bit of bounce back um, appeal surrounding them and Nugent Hopkins. I agree. I think the more I looked at him, especially if he gained, like right now in Yahoo and last year, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't add wing eligibility to him. If he's like a center left wing guy uh, and available outside the first 10 rounds of a 12-team draft, that's Steel. amazing value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is true. The value over replacement for a winger over a center makes a huge difference. If you could get him in a wing spot and then be able to get someone else to fill your center spots, then you are laughing. One of these people who's center yep. only, so you're going to have him lower in your list, but we had a question from Corey also. It's about Paul Stasny, who signed in Vegas. We talked about him in our last episode, but Corey was interested in your thoughts. Like, Where do you think Stasny slots in in Vegas? Is there any chance he can bump William Carlson from the top line or are we looking at best case second line center with okay line mates I guess like Alex Tuck maybe Thomas Tatar and then possible time on the top power play yeah I I don't love Stasny in fantasy you know fantasy wise in general out like when he was with St. Louis he was barely fantasy relevant even when he was with Tarasenko he was great uh, no question about it with Patrick Laine, and I would have loved that combination to draft if he stayed in Winnipeg to draft Laine and then target Stasny in later rounds. But yeah, I'm not flocking to Stasny right now. I think Eric Howla also has made a case to be the number two center. I think in reality, Stasny really helps that team to give them uh, three strong centers down the middle, but I'm not so sure what his fantasy production is going to be. I mean, maybe if he's with Tuck and they form some chemistry, Tuck is a nice sleeper option that nobody's talking about. Very few people are talking about. Um, But yeah, I think Stasny, this move from Winnipeg, probably the best, most top-heavy and also depth-wise fantasy team. Uh, I think they're top in our team power rankings, which is another new feature we're doing on NHL.com. They're number one. I think they had five players in the top 30 in the mock draft that we did. So uh, Winnipeg would have been a great spot for him to be fantasy relevant, but I don't like Vegas secondary scoring wise nearly as much as Winnipeg. So I think he takes a dip for me in my rankings. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. But I could definitely tell that you love Winnipeg. You have Dustin Bufflin as the top D in (laughs) fantasy next year. I was kind of surprised with that, but they are a good team and he does contribute in a lot of categories. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, that that might change. If Carlson goes to the right team, he'll probably jump up to number one. Uh, there's some, you know, Hedman had a great year. He's a very safe bet, but maybe Tampa Bay. Uh, if they get Carlson, they won't regress. But if they don't, you know, some things went wrong for them in the playoffs that worry me a little bit. I was, I'm very, I was very surprised that that team didn't score a goal in their last two games uh, with a chance to win the series and then a chance to. Uh, win it on home ice Uh, I think there's maybe something going on with that team uh, that I don't love but yeah Winnipeg is just such a safe fantasy team this year Uh, Bufflin is as safe as it gets he's a guy that put up incredible numbers last year even though he missed I think around 15 games maybe a little fewer but yeah Bufflin contributes shots hits power play points he'll play with Line and Shifley on the power play Blake Wheeler and company so yeah to me like Brent Burns declined a little bit last season compared to the previous year I think Bufflin took a step forward watching him in the playoffs was really something I think his skating ability has improved 
uh, yeah, he's uh, he's the top of my list right now because I think he's the safest bet at the position. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like I will. Uh, I definitely get what you're saying. I think I might respectfully disagree. If I was working in a in a multi-category league like like this, I would definitely go Brent Burns as my first guy. I know you say he regressed last year, though. If you take a look, second half only, like if you go from January 1st on, he put up 42 points in 46 games. So he was like elite, elite, almost a point per game. He definitely did have a terrible start, though. So maybe there is a risk that that'll happen again. Hopefully the arrival of like Evander Kane and Joe Thornton being healthy like will help. Yeah, that could change things for sure. Thornton, that's a... He's a big X factor for them this year. I agree. Oh yeah, Thornton's always also in fantasy. It's tough because he doesn't shoot much. He doesn't get many goals, right. so he helps you. So he's probably more valuable in like a points only league rather than a multi category league. But he's definitely someone that's going to fall really far because he was injured last year. But he could be really valuable because he's obviously going to be playing on the top line and top power play, getting great minutes and great line mates. That's 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 an interesting thing though. I wonder how they're going to construct the lines because Hurdle and Couture had great chemistry. Uh, in the playoffs last year, uh, making Hurdle a breakout candidate for this year, uh, maybe to have his best season yet in the NHL with so many injuries earlier in his career. But at the top line, if it's, I mean, right, it was Meyer, Pavelski, and uh, Evander Kane last year. I recall also Eunice Donskoy had some time there, but then he got injured. Like, he was doing really well before he got hurt. Right, yeah. Donskoy's in that mix, too. So, like, what's what are their what's their role for Joe Thornton going to be? Is Joe Pavelski going to play with Donskoy or Meyer and Kane? Or is it going to be a line like Thornton, Pavelski, Kane, which would be through the roof for Joe Thornton if he's available late in a fantasy draft? I mean, he might go undrafted in some fantasy leagues because of the injury concerns with his knees uh, these past two seasons. Yeah, it's you're right. Like, there's a lot of different ways it could shake out over in San Jose. There's also that top power play, one good spot there. Like, Hurdle was there last year, but that's because Thornton was injured. So right. it's the kind of thing where if you get the opportunity to draft after training camp has started, you might want to be watching the tweets from beat writers out of San Jose and seeing how things are looking like they're shaking out. Uh, so a couple more questions from Corey. I got to tell you, you kind of flooded me, Corey, with questions. I didn't want to, <laughs> but they're good questions. So I wanted to throw these at Pete as well. So Corey wanted to know, what do you think a potential trade would do to affect Artemi Panarin's value? He had such a great year last year. And I remember back in the day when he started on Chicago and everyone, everyone like saw, oh yeah, Panarin's a great fantasy option, but let's see what he could do if he was ever separated from Patrick Kane. He was separated from Patrick Kane last year and he was amazing. Like he was so valuable to his owners, almost a point per game himself. So what do you think owners should do when they're drafting this year, knowing that Artemi Panarin might get traded at some point during the year? Yeah, this is the first year um, where I've, I would encourage people to look at the, these 250 rankings that I did because I put double asterisks for uh, potential 2019 RFAs and single asterisks for potential UFAs, which includes Panarin. Tyler Sagan, Blake Wheeler. I mean, it's just so Eric interesting. Carlson. Eric Carlson, yeah. P- Bobrovsky, even Pavelski, guys that you forget are, you know, on, that could hit the market next year. So, yeah, I think uh, with Columbus, if he stays there, that could be a really dark horse team in the East. I think it's really interesting for them. I know they're talking extension with him. It's not looking great right now, but that's a team that I feel like if they had Panarin, they could really finally break through this year uh, and make a run. I mean, after all, they were very close to beating the eventual Stanley Cup champion Capitals. So I have a lot of faith in Columbus with Panarin. 
that said, I think that if there is room for improvement, I mean, he's going to be slated to play. If he plays there, he's going to be with Dubois who's in his second year and uh, Cam Atkinson, two strong players, but not elite line mates by any stretch. So we've seen uh, what he's done now. I mean, Artemi Panarin, certainly an elite player. He has to be considered as such. He's in my top 30 at number 28 um, with some strong players ahead of him and behind him. Burns and Bergeron ahead of him. Kessel and Gaudreau behind him. So that's really, uh, I think, pretty generous for Panarin. And But he proved it last year. So I, I think that he, he, he could boost for sure. I mean, if he goes to the right team, I'm curious where he might go. But uh, if he lands on the right team, could jump into the top 25, no doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like he put up 82 points in 81 games last year with like you say good line mates. Like even you could say really good line mates but not amazing line mates. So I can't imagine things could get that much worse for Panarin. So he put up 82 points in 81 games last year. You know, that that's tough to repeat for any player, but I feel like he's pretty much a lock for 70 plus and you could maybe even say 75 plus if he plays the full season. Okay, one more from Corey. Here's a more <laughs> open-ended one. Who's your favorite breakout younger or rookie player this year? And he listed some options like Zadina, Pedersen and then Guys who played last week, Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois or like Dalin or Sveshnikov. Who's your big breakout guy that no one's really talking about now? Though I guess some of these guys, people, a lot of people are talking about. But yeah, who's your breakout guy for next year? I mean, among rookies, I think Pedersen has to be mentioned. Uh, people don't take Vancouver very seriously, but they're quietly building. Remember a year or two ago, they were not, they were not competitive and they were kind of still in that... Um, situation where they had the Sedins in the later stages of their careers they didn't have a great prospect pool now they do they have Gaudette they have Pedersen they have Horvat who's been around for a few years they have Brock Besser called their trophy finalist they got Quinn Hughes in the draft uh, great value with that pick and Thatcher Demko as well so they have strong prospects at every position and I think Pedersen uh, very quietly could have a chance to play on the top line this season with Brock Besser, which would be amazing fantasy value. So we always look at the recent class of and who's going to make the immediate impact, Stalin, Zadina, Svechnikov. But I would certainly pencil Pedersen as a guy that if he's available in the final rounds of a standard draft, take a chance on him, especially if you get Besser early. That could be one of those... May, who knows? Maybe it would be one of those like McKinnon, Ranton, and type things where just the, the duo is completely underestimated and and they explode on fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy production. So yeah, Pedersen's my guy. But we have a we have a top ten rookie story right now on NHL.com. There's a couple other good names on there. So I would take a take a peek at that, and we're going to be updating that as it gets closer to the season. I also think Kyler Yamamoto is another guy that nobody's talking about. That played really well with McDavid in the preseason last year. Uh, didn't pan out, but, um, you know, high-end prospect. I mean, if it's Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Yamamoto, that could be a huge line, and the Oilers could bounce back and make the playoffs again. Yeah, that would be really great for Yamamoto's value. And I guess no one is also talking about Jesse Pugliarvi at this point. Right. Is he below Yamamoto now in your sense for fantasy value in like a keeper league? Uh, they're about the same range in a keeper league. I would rather go Yamamoto. I actually switched those guys uh, in my most recent rankings. I had um, I had Pugliarvi ahead of – that's the kind of thing. We're updating these rankings more in the summer and prospect developments are going to happen. So 
if you get the sense that um, a guy might play on the top line or might get a real look at the NHL level, you might see some more drastic movement lower in my rankings. And I flipped those guys. And then the more I looked at it, I think I have, if I'm not mistaken, I think I have a Yamamoto right in that same range as uh, Eli Tolvanen from Nashville, just guys who have the potential to break out if they earn first-line minutes with elite players around him. So that's certainly the case for Tolvanen as well. Yeah, it's actually a fun area of your list. It's around 217, you've got Zykov on Carolina, and then 220, Tolvanen, 221, Yamamoto, then you've got Casey Middlestad at 224. So it's a lot of fun potential reach options for people. And then you have Josh Bailey around there as well if you want to try to play it safe. I think I'd rather just roll the dice on one of these (laughs) young, exciting players rather than get Josh Bailey. That was exactly what I did. I mean, no knock on Bailey. His past two seasons have been great. Uh, After everyone was calling him a bust, he's... Uh, come to play these past two years and proven that he's a legitimate uh, NHL player, legitimate top six player. Um, You know, he was good in the world championship as well this year. So I'm not trying to just knock Bailey all the way down this list, but the more I looked at, as I was moving up Yamamoto, the more I was looking, I said he belongs in that category. And I would certainly take him over Josh Bailey, who's trending down after Tavares left and he's trending up with a chance to stick at the NHL level um, after a nice taste last year, as I mentioned. But uh, I think the ceiling's pretty high for Yamamoto. So I would say Pedersen is the obvious guy who could compete for the Calder Trophy this coming season if he plays with Besser. But Yamamoto is certainly uh, the more under-the-radar choice. Yeah, for sure. It's very, it'll be a lot of fun to follow. Uh, okay, so another question that we got is from Ryan, and he wanted to move and talk about Florida, which has a very interesting top six now. Now that they've acquired Mike Hoffman, uh, Ryan pointed out that he he thinks that maybe you have the Florida guys like a little low. He mentioned Vincent Trocek outside the top 100, Dadanov around 140, Mike Hoffman barely inside the top 100. And he wants to know if there's a reason why you're not very high on the Florida top six, or is he overvaluing those players? And I do want to point out, uh, like Ryan is saying that you're low on the Florida top six. You do have Barkov at 30. Then Hubert Doe at 86, then Hoffman, like like I said, inside the top 100. So I don't know if it's really that crazy the way you've uh, listed these Florida guys. I guess the main one I'm curious about actually is Vincent Trocek outside the top 100, just because he was such a beast last year. 31 goals, 75 points, 145 hits, over 200 shots. Like, do you think it would be a reach for him to expect him to repeat his 2017-18 numbers again next year? Yeah, I mean, Florida is a team that I'm pretty high on. I would say with confidence that as a team, they're a top 10 fantasy team. This is a team that when if guys slip, as they normally do with Florida, I mean, I could be high on Florida. Someone else could be high on Florida, but I'm trying to do it within reason. So, I mean, Florida is a team that has three strong lines on paper, two strong power play units, a nice goalie tandem, uh, each goalie individually has question marks, Luongo and Reimer, but uh, as a tandem, if you draft them together, uh, there are not many better options out there. Maybe Colorado, you know, there's maybe Nashville, but that's more of a starter backup. So in terms of actual tandems, Florida's is right up there. Uh, I like how guys like Owen Tippett, Henrik Borgstrom could mesh in their top nine mix. I mean, Barkov Trocek is right up there with um, the more underrated center duos in the league. Hoffman, I think, has nice bounce-back appeal. Uh, 
Evgeny Dadnov, Bukestad, I'm a little reluctant to reach for those guys just because I'm not sure if they're going to be playing on the first line with Barkov. If they end up there, uh, that's tremendous value. I think in the mock draft, a couple of my teams, I think I took uh, Mike Matheson in the late rounds of one draft. I really like him. Barkov is a guy that always slips for some reason. But yeah, Florida on paper is one of the deepest teams in the league should be one of the most improved but the one thing about florida is why i'm not going crazy all in putting all their guys much higher you know even though i like them is that they're going to be playing in that division with toronto boston and tampa bay they're going to get beat up by those teams even if they have a great season they could finish fourth in their own division very likely and you know who knows if they if they get beat up by those teams and have a couple of injuries they could probably sustain an injury or two but this is a team that won the division one year a couple of years ago and then fell right back down to earth so i would temper the expectations with florida that said i think they're going to be a wild card team this year in the playoffs Oh, that's exciting. And so then, as far as Vincent Trocek goes, what would you say, like above or below 70 points? He hit 75 last year. Uh, maybe a little below. It's it's going to depend on the line mates. Can that team stay healthy? Is Mike Hoffman going to fit in with that team? Uh, he's the he's the huge X factor. I mean, they're, he could play on the first line. There was somebody on Twitter the other day saying that they thought he was going to, they think he's going to play on the third line. I thought that was really interesting. I don't, I'm just I think he's going to be in the top six I'm curious to see what his chemistry is because Huberto is a high-end goal scorer Barkov is one of the most underrated if you can call an elite player underrated Barkov certainly is and I would take him in the third or you know third fourth fifth round depending on how far he falls for some reason he hasn't put it all together but he's shown so many signs so I feel very confident taking Barkov in the top 50. Yeah, Barkov has had such a great year last year. He ended up point per game, 78 points in 79 games. I think he used to be underrated a lot because he got injured every year. Last year, he finally stayed healthy for the majority of the season. So I would think that fantasy owners will reward him and like reward themselves by picking him. But I guess you never know. Maybe they'll still have some concerns. But yeah, I definitely agree. He's definitely worth grabbing in the top 50. Yeah, and he's like, a, he's like Kopitar, but he's only 22. So how crazy is that? I mean, that... The more you think about that, the more you would reach for him. But again, that's the center-only thing with some of these fantasy drafts. If you take a McDavid or a Crosby early, and then maybe you take you know, an Eichel the next round, then you're like, hey, I have to hang back on some of these centers. i got to start addressing the wing. i got to take a defenseman. I don't have a goalie yet. You know, that's, that's why Barkov drops. I mean, it's not like most people don't know how good he is. I mean, he's a little more underrated still than some of the other superstars around the league, but I think he falls into that weird category where sometimes uh, if the teams in your league address centers early, he might slip an extra round or two for some reason. Okay, last question about forwards I wanted to get to before a couple of goalie questions. We got Jean-Marc noticed that you have 
Kovalchuk, Ilya Kovalchuk over at 52nd overall. So you're with me on hashtag Team Kovalchuk for this year. <laughs> I'm high on him as well. Brian and I actually made a bet a couple episodes ago. I said that he would be over 60 points, and Brian said below 60 points. And then on the last episode, Brian came back, you know, decided he wanted to renegotiate the bet because he realized he was maybe a little bit too low on him. Changed it to 65. I still like Kovalchuk getting over 65 points, being on that top line with LA. So what do you think uh, Kovalchuk's potential is next year? Clearly, you have at 52 overall on your list so it must be pretty high yeah he's a he's about as high as you could possibly be after playing five seasons in another league and being 35 years old I don't think you could ever take a guy with those circumstances as high as we're saying but Kovalchuk's an exception I mean over 800 games with exactly a point per game in his career uh, he's been strong in the KHL strong in the Olympics I mean, he's a guy that uh, it's funny, like a lot of these guys you follow on like Instagram and stuff. I feel like Kovalchuk's been working out more than any other player in the league this summer. I know he's been in Russia for the World Cup, but he that guy's been posting videos of himself working out at a very high level. Um, He looks great. He looks like he can. uh, I mean, Anze Kopitar scored 92 points last year on a line with Alex Iafalo and <laughs> Dustin Brown. He completely resurrected Dustin Brown's career after we were talking for multiple years about how he could be bought out. So, I mean, you take that uh, angle of it, and how could things be any worse with Ilya Kovalchuk? He instantly is the best wing on that roster. I've penciled him in for 70 points with around 30 on the power play. It could be a little different. It could be something like 30 power play points and uh, you know, where he, he's the type of guy where he could produce more power, more points on the power play than he does at even strength. Like he's at this stage of his career, but he's a guy that's going to, he could play the full two minutes. That's what he did with the Devils years ago. There are some people who have concerns about his skating ability, but I think with Kopitar, he's one of the best in the league at uh, adapting his own game to the players around him. So that's, I don't have a ton of concern with Kovalchuk. There's a lot of negativity a lot of talk of risk with that contract, but I think at least for this first year, I think it could it makes the Kings dangerous again offensively. So that's a huge deal for a team that got swept out of the first round of the playoffs, scoring three goals in four games. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't even know about this amazing workout that Kovalchuk has been doing. So last year, <laughs> it was Skinny Ovi. This year, it's Skinny Kovi that people need to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like every time I check Instagram, I see him just, you know, working, working himself. I mean, he's okay. a... He's a he's an older player. He's a I, I'm just I'm excited to see him back in the NHL. Yeah, me too. He's, he this is where he belongs. I was not happy. You know, you're I work for the league. You have you have to stay impartial. But you, nobody liked how that happened with the Devils. Nobody liked that he that he left. He bailed on them. I mean, it's good to see him back in the league. He's a guy that's never won the Stanley Cup. He's going to be crazy motivated. I think going to the Kings. Uh, who just got Dowdy signed long term and, you know, have a little breath of fresh air again. Yeah, and I'm also really loving how it seems like you're siding with me on a few of the side bets I've been making with Brian <laughs> over the summer series. You're with me, it sounds like, on Kovalchuk over 65. You were with me with Tavares over a point per game next year. He took the under, but you said 90 points. So go me. And you know who we're not going <laughs> to be excited about is Carey Price. Michael wrote, no question, but he wrote, Carey Price, sandwiched between Corey Schneider and Carter Hutton on the goalie ranks. 
Oh boy. So yeah, it was a huge fall for Carey Price last year and obviously reflected in your rankings. Doesn't seem like you're very confident in him being able to bounce back next year. I mean, there's a there's a chance. I mean, it's so different this year compared to last year. Last year he was the highest rank the highest goalie based on ADP and I was ranking him more like third or fourth and saying I would never take this guy in the first or second round because of Montreal's team concerns. Now his value is so low. And he's right next to Henrik Lundqvist. The, seeing those guys this low in the rankings, I, I mean, it's just showing that these guys could fall in drafts. And they, but they still have team concerns. So I still, that's why, I mean, a Schneider for a team that made the playoffs last year, taking the Colorado goalie tandem, that's what I did in one of those leagues with the mock draft, one of the teams I drafted. There was a Lundqvist on the board. There was a Carey Price on the board. And I took the I had back to back picks and I took the Colorado tandem because oh, wow. I didn't trust uh, Lundquist or Price on his own. I mean, maybe it's just me, but those I mean, certainly the Rangers have one of the weaker defenses in the league. Montreal has made uh, questionable trades each of the past mm-hmm. three off seasons, so they're not getting better. They still might trade Pacioretty. I mean, they have to trade Pacioretty because they're kind of in they should go into rebuilding mode i mean they don't i don't know how they're going to compete this year if carry price is going to have one of those carry price he's going to need to have maybe an all-time great fantasy season to get that team in the playoffs in that division i mean i'm not trying to be bleak with montreal but it's just a reality. Oh man, like come on, like I don't. That's not being bleak. I don't think anyone, even Habs fans, can't be expecting them to be a playoff <laughs> contender next year. I think it would just be nice to be able to see Carey Price get back to even if it's not like peak peak Carey Price. Even just see him be like league average, above league average would be right. a nice breath of fresh air after last year. And he's got like ten years or whatever, eight years left on this contract. So they're definitely hoping that he can still bounce back and be really good. But yeah, because of the team, I agree with you. Like I don't know if I'd have him around Carter Hutton. Like I guess there's some. The thing is, you could get some value out of Carey Price because if he could put up an elite save percentage if you're in a categories league he could really help you even if he doesn't get a lot of wins he might get a lot of saves just because Montreal will let in a lot of shots and they would probably play him a lot even though maybe they would be smart to not play him so much so he's a very interesting guy in fantasy next year like last year I definitely agree with you it seemed like kind of silly to draft him so high just because of the team situation this year no one's gonna be drafting him high so now maybe a lot of people might be excited about him as a sleeper for next year but man even like Shea Weber is gonna be injured oh my god yeah, it's it's rough right now. That Weber injury news is just another blow to a team that, you know, can't really seem to do much right right now. So it's it's a shame. I mean, that said, if anybody can do it, it's Carey Price. Yeah, and sure. I mean, remember, like a, a great example is Auntie Ranta this past year had a 930 save percentage despite being injured multiple times and having all that crazy stuff going on, playing for a bottom five team. He had a 930 save percentage, so it is possible. Yeah, and also, like, I remember Sergei Bobrovsky, like, a couple years ago, he had a really bad year in fantasy. No one was high on Columbus. And then he came back and put together an amazing season, got the Blue Jackets into the playoffs. So the same thing could happen with Carey Price. Like, it's possible. At least the great numbers. I don't know about his team going to the playoffs. (laughs) Exactly. Another guy that was sort of low in fantasy for a couple years didn't seem to be as good as he used to be, but then really bounced back last year was Pecorine. Though then it got really interesting because by the end of the playoffs, he kind of choked. And now Nashville has gotten Saros locked in. 
for three years. So Matthew was asking, he'd be interested to know your thoughts on what's going to happen with Rene and Saros this year. Matthew's saying he's high on Saros and he's thinking, I'm sure he really means he's hoping because he probably has Saros. He's thinking that maybe by the end of the season, it might be a 50-50 split or maybe Pekka Rene might get traded down the stretch because of his impending free agency. So what do you think about what's going to happen in the Nashville net next year? Because that would obviously tell people how high they need to draft someone like UC Saros. Yeah, I mean, I I would take Saros as, you know, some leagues have a third or fourth goalie spot. I would maybe take Saros late, even if you don't draft uh, Rene, but make make sure you get some quality goalies before you put too much stock in Saros. Rene, I mentioned, is probably going to go higher than I'm comfortable taking him. So, I I mean, if you get Rene in a decent spot and then you can handcuff Saros on the back end, I don't know that there's a better handcuff with for a safer team like tampa bay doesn't have a great backup goalie um i mean i guess boston has rask and halak but you're not going to be drafting halak in fantasy so in terms of the pure backup true backups i mean maybe it's soros and arendelle you know i would even call reimer a timeshare guy so maybe soros and arendelle are those best true backups to target so yeah, he definitely has sneaky value. I mean, Rene has, you mentioned he choked this past postseason. He choked the postseason before, too. He he got lit up in all those games in Pittsburgh. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird storyline where he's coming off one of the best regular seasons of his career. He responded after that first playoff letdown where he was playing at an elite level and then just fell apart against Pittsburgh. He rebounded from that, but then fell apart again. Uh, in the series against Winnipeg. So, you know, I have my concerns with him. He's um, He's been very good in his career. He had that late start, but he's been elite more times than not. But age will eventually catch up to you. And if Soros is, a, if Soros is the real deal, it's only a matter of time, unfortunately, for Rene. Well, yeah, and also you feel like Nashville's going to want to see what they have in UC Saros before Rene leaves for unrestricted free agents here. They need to know if they should extend Rene or not, so why not give Saros some time in the net? So I just feel like that's going to hurt Rene's fantasy value for next year, just the fact that he's going to be an impending unrestricted free agent. And I'd, I'd just be worried about him getting the starts that you'd want to get from like a goalie that you draft like the second or third round. So I'd rather let someone else get him. But of course, if he falls too far, if everyone is concerned about this, then there could be some great value later on. That's the whole fun of a fantasy draft, right? Like, getting people at the right time yeah i mean you look at the top five goalies i have right now the two young guys vasilevsky hellebuck for very solid very strong teams in tampa bay and winnipeg then after that anderson holtby bobrovsky these are guys that you can count on for the workload i think even jonathan quick right behind him these are guys that could start uh you know between 60 and 70 games if the if the chips fall into place but I think, um, yeah, I just think that there's too much risk with Rene. I had Rene, I think, in one of the earlier editions, I had him around maybe just outside the top five, but I've moved him down since then just because there's too many concerns when you really, when you really look at the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, goalies are so hard to draft. Like Maybe it was just an anomaly, but I feel like last year really showed us that it's not worth drafting a goalie too early because it's some of the best goalies on the year are the ones that end up getting drafted later just because they're so hard to predict. Like, going into last season, no one had Vasilevsky or Hellebuck or like someone like Roberto Luongo super high on their list, Marc-Andre Fleury, and they end up being some of the most valuable guys in fantasy. So I feel like for me, I'll let 
other people this year go use their top picks on guys like Vasilevsky and Hellebuck while I'm like, you know, loading up on my Patrick Lines and Patrick Canes and I don't know, Kuznetsov, <laughs> like whoever. I'll get my elite forwards that I know are going to be good. Let other people take goalies that will probably be good. And then if worse comes to worse, if I end up with, I don't know, Matt Murray and Martin Jones and like, uh, I don't know, John Gibson, is, it's not the end of the world. I'm not saying and or like, you know, two of those guys, even like further down, like if I end up with Auntie Ranta, like Devin Dubnik, I see you have it's 95 in your list because he didn't have the greatest of years last year, but he could end up being solid. Like Jake Allen, like I love St. Louis and what they did in the offseason. So I feel like there's just so much goalie value out there and it's so hard to predict that you might as well, at least if you're going to have to take a shot on a goalie and roll the dice, at least do it a little later in the draft once you've loaded up on a lot of solid forwards and defensemen. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, for improved teams, you talked about uh, Jake Allen, Mike Smith fits the same thing. I mean, Calgary has made a lot of additions, uh, especially at forward. Smith was great before he got injured last year. They also dealt with injuries to Kachuk and Monaghan. If those guys are all healthy, Calgary could be a playoff team again. And then those two, there are two weird teams like Chicago and Edmonton, two teams that are kind of strapped by their bigger contracts. It's Kane and Taves for the for the Hawks and McDavid and Drysaddle. There's not a ton of moves that these teams can make in an offseason to get so much better anymore. Uh, but still, Crawford and Talbot. If Crawford is healthy, he was in the running for top fantasy goalie when healthy uh, You know, before that situation last year. And then Cam Talbot, you look back to two years ago, that's the other thing with fantasy. you got to have a short memory sometimes with guys like Price or Talbot. you got to remember how good these guys were just two seasons ago in some cases. So that's another great example of goalie value with Cam Talbot. Yeah, Talbot could fall so far in drafts, and there's a lot of reasons. Like, Edmonton obviously has made some strange trades over the years, but they have a lot of reasons for you to be optimistic that they could be better next year. Like, you mentioned Kyler Yamamoto. Like, they have, you know, all these great young players, and of course they have Connor McDavid. I'm excited about his pairing potentially with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And yeah, like, Cam Talbot was one of the most valuable goals in fantasy a couple years ago, especially if your league counts saves. He racked them up. He played so many games. So yeah, I would love to get Cam Talbot. Give me Cam Talbot in, like, the sixth round or whatever. And with uh, all great forwards and defensemen, like, I wouldn't even mind having him as my number one goalie. If maybe I'll get another goalie right after him. Like, yeah, there's a lot of fun strategies to be had. But man, Pete, like, I could just keep talking to you forever about your <laughs> rankings and all this stuff going on. But obviously, we have to let you go. Why don't you tell our listeners like what's going on at NHL.com in the fantasy section? You've revamped it all. It's cool. You've got so many things we haven't even talked about. Like, you have team previews for every single team in the league. Or I guess you're you're working through them. You're at San Jose, I believe, is the last one I read. So like, yeah, maybe you could give a little tease to people of what they could find if they go to nhl.com and check out the fantasy section yeah we got a lot of new coverage we're really we have more resources this year we've got a bunch of list stories already done we got you know done early right now breakout sleepers deep sleepers top 10 rookies bounce backs we're we already ran through the team resets now we're going to get into a deeper dive into each team in the month of august so Check out each. We're going to write about every fantasy relevant player for each team, Uh, even guys in some cases that are outside my top 250. So stay tuned for that for August. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming in the regular season as well. Uh, We're going to have some new features. It's going to be fun. We're going to be able to take this to a new level, which we've done uh, the past few years. But um, having two people devoted to it could make a huge difference. And I'm really excited to be a part of it, and it's always fun to come on with you. So thanks again for having me. 
Yeah, it was so great. Thanks a lot for coming on. We definitely would love to get you on again next season. Maybe we could check in partway through and see how these rankings are comparing to reality. Obviously, you'll get some right, and there'll be some horribly wrong, as it always goes. Yeah, this this has been so fun. Thanks again, and have a great rest of your summer. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the stuff you're doing over on uh, NHL.com. And also, of course, people you could follow, Pete Jensen, over at NHL Jensen on Twitter. Great follow. He's tweeting all the time. (laughs) <laughs> thanks again and yeah appreciate the uh all the nice words and for having me on again see you pete all right this is elon again back in the future i hope you enjoyed my interview with pete jensen i thought it was really good the dude knows his stuff and just like he said that they're going to be writing about every single fantasy relevant player over on nhl.com i want to remind you one last time that brian and i have plans to talk about every single fantasy relevant player in the nhl in our first ever audio fantasy guide that we plan to record at the end of august if we get funded we are less than two weeks away from the deadline so if you were waiting to the last minute this is the last minute it's time to go to keepingcarlson.com slash guide check out the video where we describe the whole project and if you are interested, we'd love to have your support. And so with that, I guess let's cue the outro music. And we will be back at you with another regular episode of Keeping Carlson. I don't know, in a couple weeks, probably. Maybe less. Probably less, right? That's how it's been. Okay, bye everyone. Uh, keep on keeping Carlson. Or okay, that wasn't a really good Brian impression. Keep on keeping Carlson. Is that? I don't know. I'm not great at impressions. Bye. <laughs>